Welcome to The Get Together. Together. It's our show about the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes, the nitty and the gritty of community building. Whoa. I I know, the nitty you and the really, gritty. You really went <laughs> Gritty, shout out Gritty. Gritty. Philadelphia Flyers. We're in New York. I'm your host, Bailey Richardson, a partner at People & Company. I'm Kevin Huynh, also a partner at People & Company. Soon to be co-authors of a book. Co-authors yeah. of a book we'll get, called Get we'll Together. We'll, we'll spit about that later. Okay. Each episode, Kevin and I interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to thousands more members? Today, we're talking to Alicia Ramos, the founder of Girls Night In. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Girls Night In started as a simple but remarkable newsletter to 300 of Alicia's family and friends in 2017. It took off immediately, organically growing to more than 150,000 subscribers. Today, though, Girls Night In is more than just a media company. As more and more passionate readers came into Alicia's life and world, she activated them. She turned these people into local book club leaders, a few to employees and some into contributors. So Alicia's swinging big. She wants her mission of making wellness, in particular social wellness, available to more and more people. She's since quit her tech job to focus on Girls Night In full-time and even raised some venture funding. I will say I am a very ambitious person. I love, I've always wanted to build my own business, always have wanted to make it into a really big business. And so when Girls Night In started um, and it started having all of this traction, I did have a sense of like, I could maybe make this into even a bigger thing and really nail down our mission of helping women relax, recharge, and build more meaningful community. Kevin, what stuck out to you uh, from our conversation with Alicia? Oh, what stuck out to Kevin? The truth is a lot of the people that um, I get to coach during our pro bono community leader office hours really look up to Girls Night In. Um, I think one part of it is the growth for community, the growth of the newsletter, which is undeniable. But to me, what's especially interesting is how she's been able to maintain sort of this original authentic voice Mm -hmm. um, and also done it by turning her sort of megaphone into a spotlight on others. Yeah. Being able to really spotlight team members and have them kind of take over and shape and remix the voice and still for it to hold the magic of the Girls' Night In community, I think is, it really is amazing. I think it's a testament to her leadership and her developing leadership. Yep. Uh, the other thing is how Girls' Night In is branching this kind of like community X business. At the end of the day, she's she speaks on the podcast about always wanting to start a business at some point. She had a full-time job and she would say she had the privilege to be able to have the savings in order to invest her full-time working on Girls' Night In, even though it was only making, you know, 1000 or $1,500 a month. But when I talk to community leaders that are thinking about making this switch, they're sort of painstakingly thinking, hey, I started this community, whether it be around a newsletter or a meetup or some sort of other group. The lesson from, I think, Alicia is that Girls Night In had had a business model sort of from the start. Uh, it was a media company that has sort of a known business model of selling advertising, of selling sponsorship. Not to say that's the only way they will continue to get, gain the funds to fuel their effort, but you can't just assume that money is going to show up when you bring together a rad community. That doesn't say you have to make money while <laughs> getting together a rad community, but if you do want to build a business, you got to build a business. Yeah, you need a business model. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that piece, you know, we have some, you've said some thing before you're like communities are great for business but I'm not sure if communities are a business Mm -hmm. and I think Alicia does a really great job of calling that out in the interview yeah so 
it's hard to, it's it. hard to do either of those things independently and so you can't assume that one like will always lead to the other yes um absolutely cool all right without further ado alicia where you alicia. at one of the things Kevin says that I love, he says, you can't fake the funk when you're like a community organizer. When you start a community, usually the thing that you're working on means a lot to you personally. And that's mm-hmm. why you start doing that work. So can you take us back to, I think it was 2016, 2017, when this idea started forming in your mind and tell us like what motivated you, what got you to the point where you're like, Hey, I'm going to start. I know it started as a newsletter and I'm going to yeah. start sharing this information with people. What what was going on in your life then? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> well, I think there are a lot of things happening in our collective lives at the end of 2016, mm. beginning of 2017, which we was... started our company around then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, it was the election happened, Donald Trump, and the administration change happened. At the time, I was working pretty closely with a project that touched the administration. It was called healthcare.gov. It still exists. I use that website. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... You know, after the administration change happened in 2017, our team kind of hit a wall. Our The thing that I was working on personally was helping kind of like reimagine the consumer experience of healthcare.gov and how to improve that and, you know, how to think through kind of really cool challenges. Like how do we make the link between healthcare.gov and Medicare a little more seamless? So it was a lot of digging into policy doing a lot of user research, doing a lot of designing, of course. And then when the administration change happened, of course, all the policies were kind of frozen. Things were at a standstill. And around that time, um, I felt a lot of anxiety, not just from that, but just the general state of the world. (laughs) Yeah. You were also based in D.C. too, which I think is like you were in the center of Mm. the cauldron. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All of us are feeling it, but I can only imagine what it was like to be there at that time. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense, especially at my workplace. Yeah. I remember like coming in the day after the election results came in and everyone was just completely downtrodden. No one was smiling or laughing and it was really bad understandably so. So it was kind of this low point. Everyone felt really anxious. I personally felt really overwhelmed, especially with the news cycle. And yeah, around that time, I was just like, I feel like I'm not getting anywhere with this job right now. I love the mission. I love the fact that I got to work on this, but I wonder like what else I can work on. I need some type of creative outlet. And so I remember putting together basically like a little scratch pad of different entrepreneurial ideas that I had. Mm. And I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial and creative. So go girl. Love it. Yeah. I've always wanted to like start my own company one day. And so I I wrote down so many weird ideas. Mm. So some of the ideas are like during historical research, help people plot papers, articles, and other media onto a timeline. (laughs) Um, Because I used to be in college, I studied medieval history and minored in it. And so a lot of the things that we would do is a lot of digging into primary sources, of course, and trying to piece together this puzzle. And as a very like visual learner, I always wanted to build visual timeline of all the Mm. different primary sources I was finding. Mm. 
but obviously not a great business model. <laughs> Who knows? Um, there's other things like dry bar, but for fa- makeup and facials, a oh, photo yeah. booth kit, board games for 20-something women, some indoor activity for 20-something women to enjoy, huh. a book club idea. So you can kind of see like almost getting two girls night in with these mm. like tangential mm. ideas. Yeah, eventually... I did a lot of this type of reflecting and thought, well, one of the things that I really love doing personally is hosting my friends for a night in. Like my friends mean so much to me, like especially in the last uh, few years, I feel like they've become my chosen family in a sense because of other things happening in my life. And I wanted to create this company that was essentially like a party in a box (laughs) Uh, called Girls Night In. Like everything you need to have or host a Girls Night In. So the original idea, not many people know this, was like a party kit, essentially. Hmm. Yeah, that was the original idea. I still still like that idea. I'm into that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might might still do it one day. And let's see, I I didn't have any money to get that off the ground Hmm. to order any of the supplies or anything. So instead, I thought about, you know, what do I do know? Like, what do I have already? What skills do I have? What resources do I have? And I knew I could write. I knew I could design I know how to use MailChimp. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have, you know, my social network of people online. So I decided to start off with the newsletter to figure mm. out, are there, are there people out there who also like staying in? I don't know. Am I the only weird person who does this? Will it resonate with other people? And it, it really just launched at the end of January 2017 because I had this innate need to create something and deliver something especially in the last poke the world yeah that was happy and creative and joyful because at that time nothing was joyful (laughs) yeah I read somewhere that I don't know if this number's right so check the fake news that you had something like 300 people on that first like recipient list or in the early days can you tell us like a little bit about who you sent the newsletter to because from what we keep seeing with communities is like that first set of people even if it's a smaller group can lead to so much more so who were those people for you yeah uh, it was friends and family so I created I did a one-week launch hype pre-launch hype week cool what (laughs) happened I made a logo. It was, the old logo was this like very millennial pink 70s vibes logo. Um, I created an Instagram account. I remember on launch day, I wrote out on like, this was so crappy now that I think about it, just the way that I did it. But (laughs) do um, tell. I remember I took like neon gel pens and I wrote down on this like ruler lined paper, happy launch day, go to Aww. sign up at Girls Night In. And I remember putting it on my coffee table. I bought confetti from Etsy and I just sprinkled it around, took an iPhone picture and that was the hmm. thing on our Instagram feed. <laughs> so it was very scrappy, didn't have a lot of resources to put behind it. And I just shared kind of like, oh, Girls Night In is coming. It's a newsletter on my Facebook and Twitter. So just my social media accounts. Who ended up subscribing was just my friends and people who follow me, who I think those are largely people in my 
career space, other designers, other engineers, people in the technology space. You went from an idea to a couple hundred people, and now you guys have just an insane number of people on the newsletter specifically. It's like 150,000, probably more at this point. And the amazing thing about it is that so much of this has been organic growth, people telling Mm -hmm. other people because it's valuable to them. When did you start seeing that? How did people start sharing? What were they saying about Girls Night In? How did that show up for you? How did you see it? It showed up um, immediately, I would say, with the first issue. I remember one of my friends used to work with, Kelsey. She got the first issue and she immediately responded and said, this is so cool and so unique and different. And I just shared Mm. it with all my friends. That was really cool. I would also hear from... People who I went to like elementary school and middle school with. I love that. (laughs) I hadn't talked to in a long time who also like would respond to the newsletters and say, just wanted to let you know, like, I remember you from way back when. And I just shared this with my friends. Hmm. So cool. Hey, this is Kevin from second grade. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, literally this one woman. We used to make Fabergé eggs in class together. Yeah, this one woman, I remember her from elementary school. She DM'd to me on Instagram and she said, hey, I remember you from second grade. All I remember is that you're really good at drawing Sailor Moon and (laughs) and Hello Kitty. And it's really cool. Sailor Moon is hard. Heck yeah. (laughs) So it was, it's just really cool to see people Mm. from your past come and show up and show support for something that you're doing as like a passion project. So I want to get a little bit into also you had, I did some reading about you. I saw that you were the editor of the Harvard Voice, which I don't exactly know what that is, but it sounds very prestigious (laughs) and legitimate. Um, And (laughs) like, you know, the core value here is your writing. Like people received something in their email inbox that was so remarkable to them, Mm -hmm. despite all of the email that we all get. And I've read other people just sort of saying around on the internet that one of the most special things about Girls Night In is your voice. And people seem to know that. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about how you approach writing and, Mm -hmm. and what you think makes your voice what it is or resonate with people? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that's very Hard question flattering. for someone. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how you're so great. I know that's like the worst question ever, but sorry. It's really cool to hear that. I'm thinking back to the way that I wrote the first issue of Girls Night In and the way I write it right now. And honestly, in terms of tone, not a lot has changed. That first issue, I had that list of 300 people. I did do a quick glance through it and I saw, you know, it was mostly my friends and people I knew So that's how I wrote the first issue. I wrote as if I was addressing my friends of like, hey guys, have you seen The Crown? It's really cool. Mm. (laughs) Have you seen this like pink Dutch oven on Nordstrom? Um, So (laughs) it's it's like, it was really nice because I knew exactly who I was talking to, my friends, and I wrote in that tone of voice. And luckily I still write in that way, maybe with like a couple of adjustments. And luckily it still resonates, maybe because our audience is also in a similar either like age range or mindset or like time in their lives. I think people appreciate 
knowing that there's a real human on the other end of things versus like this brand trying to be cool and hip. And that's one of our core kind of like editorial guiding principles at GNI. Whenever we write something, we do a quick gut check of, okay, does this sound advertising copy or does it sound like a text we would send to our friend or like a DM that we would mm. send to our friend? And that mm. has been the guiding principle for a while. I like that way of checking yeah. it. Is business language has a way of seeping into things yes. that we do in a horrible way. <laughs> into everything we yeah. say. <laughs> Target the audience. I, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I got a quick question, which is, I think sometimes with communities where there's like a very strong sort of singular voice at the beginning as like a leader, you know, you, I think maybe especially communities around creators, you create something and people engage with it, but one of the powerful things about communities is when you start to create more leaders mm-hmm. and you start to uh, do more with, you know, people within the community. And so you don't become this sort of like bottleneck to everything that like could happen that could be rad for the girls night in community at large. You know, is that something that you had to consciously think about as because I've seen some newsletters with like guest editors and this and that, like, mm-hmm. have you had to think about like, how does this expand beyond like Alicia you know, head of girls night in community to more people. We think about it a lot. I will say for the newsletters right now, 90% of them are actually written by Tyler, our editorial Mm -hmm. director. Um, Go Tyler. Shout out Tyler. She's awesome. She's amazing. So talented. I, we, something that if you subscribe now that you might notice is we actually circulate the editor's note within our team. So for example, this morning's newsletter was written by Tyler and everyone on our team has their own view on self-care, their own tone of voice, but we try to create some level of consistency, of course. But, and to be honest, a lot of that was inspired by Man Repeller personally, Mm. because I love Man Repeller. I love that they shine a light on their actual human teammates. And as a reader of Man Repeller, I get to know, I feel like I get to know each personality and how different they are, what interests they have. And we've started to do a little bit of that at Girls Night In. Like Tyler, for example, is our resident type B (laughs) teammate. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia is our resident like Scorpio type A. Katrina is really good at spreadsheets. She's a total Virgo. I'm the classic Capricorn. <laughs> it's really fun to kind of like hone our own personalities and bring that to our audience. The other thing that we try to do, and I think we might talk about this later on, is with our offline community events. Those happened really organically. We host book clubs in 10 different cities right now, and we have hosts who apply, they volunteer to host and lead those meetings. And one thing that I love that we've started to do is put a little bit of a spotlight on our hosts within our newsletter. We have a monthly community newsletter that goes out where we interview one of our hosts and you get to know them and what they're reading and what their latest like self-care obsessions are. And that's really fun too, because it feels a little less one directional and a little more we are together mm. building this thing. You have a great quote that I, I read in another interview. You said, we think of content less as this megaphone that we hold and more of let's have an actual conversation and let's have a dialogue and create something together. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Like we literally had a drawing that I don't think made it into this book that we're publishing. That's like <laughs> one person with a megaphone, all these people listening versus truly people being able to lend their own voice. And 
that slight difference, I think, is true. What makes something into a community instead of just a media company? Yeah, totally. I think people want to be heard and try to incorporate Mm. that in a lot of our content pieces. A lot of the times we'll do community posts where we do a call for, we did one recently about, you know, why don't we celebrate earning a a doctorate as much as we celebrate getting married? Mm. (laughs) And Mm. we had a ton of readers send in their ideas and what they've done in the past to celebrate their friends who have started a new business or gotten a dog or gotten Mm. their first house. And we tried to like repackage and repromote that back to our audience to say, hey, we're here, we're listening, and we actually love your ideas. I want to zoom in a little bit on uh, some of the people in Girls Night In and some of the folks that have really, um, that it's really resonated with. Does someone Mm -hmm. come to mind when you think about the last few years of organizing Girls Night In that you can tell us about that has just been such a big leader, a big ally with you or a big member of the community and Mm -hmm. has made you kind of really feel like, wow, I've affected someone's life for the better. Is there, is there a story that comes to mind? Ooh, just one person. (laughs) I know. Sorry. Um, Let's see. It might be cool to talk about our current full-time team and how they came to work at Girls Night In has been very organic. So maybe I'll take one person as an example. So Olivia, who I know Kevin has met. Shout (laughs) out Olivia. Hi again. Yeah. She leads all of our community and events and kind of like offline programming. And I first met Olivia shortly after I launched the first newsletter uh, of Girls Night In. And she did a cold outreach to me and emailed me and said, hey, you know, I work at this insert media company (laughs) and what you're doing really resonates. I feel, you know, really burnt out. Like, can we get coffee? So I remember getting coffee with her. There was no real agenda. It was mostly just like, let's connect. And I want to hear your story. And then several months down the line, we did our first test girls night in event of just like DIY crafting and like making your own essential oils or something. I'm forgetting now. And she, Olivia was there and it was like, great, you're here. You're so involved. It's so awesome. And then uh, fast forward about a few months after that, we launched our book clubs. And by launch, I mean, I announced it on Instagram as a post (laughs) and it was a purely like digital only book club. Mm. And then we got some comments and feedback from our audience and they were like, Hey, it would be cool to meet other members of this community offline. So, okay, well, that's a good idea. And basically Olivia became our, one of our first DC book club hosts or overall national book club hosts and led that effort for a while with Tizzy, our other DC book club hosts. And then fast forward another year, I you know, Girls Night In was growing. We landed a little bit of money and it was time to hire. And immediately I thought of Olivia Mm. to Mm. lead our offline experiences. And now she's at Girls Night In and it's wonderful. And yeah, I think that's that's Mm. probably a good example. And I could say the same, repeat kind of like similar storylines for our other teammates like Tyler and Katrina. Yeah, I love that. That's cool. I feel like I I have these conversations with different people that sometimes run businesses and are figuring out community. And one of those common like 
things they miss is they're like, oh, who should I hire for this position? And I'm like, have you thought about like looking within? Like you've you've invested all this time to yeah. build this group of people who are super passionate about what you do. You know, I'm sure you're, do you, have you found like a qualified one among <laughs> that crew? Because the upside there for you already have so many people that already get yeah. like what you're doing and the purpose of your community and the business you're trying to build. Like, yeah. <laughs> hire from within as a as a first try totally i always one like not weird kind of funny weird thing i do is i keep a keep a close eye on things like our instagram likes and mentions and our um twitter likes and mentions to see like who is highly highly engaged and i always you know take a little quick peek at their bio of like Pay attention Can I keep poach showing up, you? you know? <laughs> Do you want to work with us? Um, so there might be a little bit of that happening right now for a role that I'm recruiting for. So it's very top of mind. Yeah, I love that. We have a whole chapter in a book that literally is pay attention to who keeps showing up. And yeah. the main argument yeah. is like those people can be catalysts. Like the folks totally. who really care have so much energy to help. And I think this is Creative Mornings' story too, is yeah. you guys like let those people duplicate, replicate your efforts. Yeah. And that's the power of community building. Yeah, it's really awesome. And I think one challenge slash learning I've had in that is as a like perfectionist type A person, Mm. it is hard to let go of control Mm. and you, you want something to be a certain way and you want, you know, only have book clubs. They will flow in only this way. But I think the magic so far has been, for example, we have an entire Slack group for just our book club hosts. And we have a channel in there called Tips and Tricks where book club hosts are sharing with knowledge, sharing with each other of like, hey, this week we did an icebreaker about hot takes. And this other week we did Mm. an icebreaker about um, what we're doing this weekend. And those are ideas that I would have never come up with. And I, I think that's been a really big learning for me of like, don't try to have such a tight grip on things because really cool things can happen when you like actually listen to your community's Mm. ideas. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting passionate community members, especially those that are, you know, becoming leaders, maybe they're hosting book clubs, is one of those things that pays off like compound interest. Like mm-hmm. if if you can connect them early on, they just are able to help each other navigate. They're able to communicate and do the, all these other things that if you you as sort of the headquarters, yeah. if you don't invest in doing that, like they just don't have the plumbing in order to <laughs> get in contact and, and they allow some of this stuff to percolate and spark up. Totally. And one thing we're starting this year that we've never done before is kind of like a video chat uh, town hall with all of our hosts Ooh. so mm. that they can at least like see each other. Because one thing we yeah. realized Human several form. months, several <laughs> years down the line is, uh-oh, like our New York hosts don't know our Austin hosts. I know them. Yeah. I know everyone pretty well, but they don't know each other. And that's really nice. One really cool thing I will say that happened a few months ago is our Toronto host, Uni, Eunice, was visiting Manhattan. And so our Manhattan, Brooklyn hosts all came together for a dinner with Eunice. And seeing that happen yeah. on its own was really cool. Getting together. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're talking a bit about sort of, you told us stories about your team members. And um, we talked a bit during office hours about uh, scaling up and, you know, book club spreading. The fact that we're talking about this involved a transition point where you you left your job and you invested full time 
into working on Girls Night In. And this is this is a conversation I have with uh, community leaders sometimes. They're at this like little inflection point. Mm-hmm. You know, they've sparked the fire. People are showing up to their event or, you know, they, they have people that are showing up. They think about like, what if I took the plunge to like spend all my time and resources and I could build this into a really vibrant community, but also have to be a business that could support me. Tell me a little bit about like that decision for you and Mm -hmm. to, yeah, to jump kind of two feet in and spend all your time working on Girls Night In. Yeah, I will say our situation is slightly different in that the first core Girls Night In product was a media product, essentially, where Mm -hmm. there was a revenue model of selling advertising and sponsorships. I think you could definitely do that with like a purely community-based organization. And I've seen that work really well with like Creative Mornings, for example. So that I, I think I was in a little bit of a unique spot there. So the decision to leave First of all, it was terrifying. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I just remember agonizing over it because on one hand, I loved my job. On the other hand, I did feel burnt out and like I wasn't making a lot of progress there. And at a certain point, I got to the point where Girls Night In was taking up all of my brain space and it was, it started to gain a lot of traction and it started taking on a life of its own. And at that point... I knew that I could make revenue because I was already selling ads, not for a lot of money, by the way, but I knew there was some type of traction there with advertisers. Mm-hmm. I also, I talk about this a lot in a lot of my interviews, the decision to leave and quit a job to quit a full-time job to pursue a passion project is a privilege. Mm-hmm. I was privileged in that I was working in technology. I had saved up of personal savings that I had as a little bit of a safety net. So when I left, I gave my, I made myself a promise of like, let's try this out for six months to a year. And if I can't support myself and pay rent and buy groceries and all of that, I will go back to finding a job because I have to. (laughs) Um, Unless you don't have that safety net, I think, and without fundraising, I think it's it is a little more difficult. So I had the finances, I had a business model in mind, and I saw just the potential from the very early traction. Those are kind of the my thought processes of why I decided to leave. What was going yeah. on with the Girls' Night in community at that moment? Just so that you could maybe describe, I think the business model is important to keep in mind, but how did you know that it had energy and momentum? Like, what yeah. did that look like? Yeah, what were the signals that were showing you that? Um, well, I think around the time I left, it had grown from 300 subscribers to like 20,000, 10 or 20,000 subscribers. So I think the numbers in growth was really interesting, especially because I wasn't doing any type of marketing or advertising or anything like that. And I would also hear these kind of crazy anecdotes from people. So one example is... I tell this story a lot because I still think it's mind-blowing. One example is my boyfriend's brother was on a trip to San Francisco. He had just met this woman who was his friend's fiance, and they were out to dinner. And then she saw on his phone that he was texting with a girl named Alicia Ramos. And the woman turns to him and says, do you know, Alicia? is that the same Alicia that, that writes Girls Night In, that newsletter? And... 
he was like, yes. How do you know that? Wow. And she was like, oh my gosh, like my entire office reads it. It's so wow. cool. Yeah. Amazing. So he told me that story and I was like, this is insane. I have no ties to this woman. And I would just hear anecdotes that of like, my office reads this. It's really cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, it complete strangers were reading it and getting, not only reading it, but getting really excited about it and mm-hmm. sharing it mm-hmm. with their friends and and their coworkers. So I think seeing that was really cool. Yeah. And we always, one of the things we talk a lot about when we, uh, when we're working with different companies or nonprofits is we try to understand the appetite, like the energy level of community members. And I think sometimes with data, you can just see like quantity, but you can't see like how much those people each care about the thing. And mm-hmm. I love that as a feedback signal of mm-hmm. that someone, a random person knows your first and last name, yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the person yeah. who writes the newsletter <laughs> and is so excited about it that they need to like interject into, you know, and yes. that, that's like such a rad signal. And those signals, I think is something that when you work very closely with people, you get to see, but yeah. business in general doesn't measure them super well. And there's so many more stories like that. I remember early on, I was sitting at a coffee shop in DC and I I had our old girls line in tote bag hanging on my chair mm. and this woman came up to me and was like I'm so sorry I know this I'm like bothering <laughs> you I just wanted to say I'm such a big fan Aww. love girls I didn't love what you do and it's like that takes a lot of guts first of all mm. to approach any stranger but to hear that from someone in my community who I had never met before that was really special and and those moments happen all the time for like Mm. not just me but for you know Tyler Katrina Olivia when they're like wearing their tote bags out around town it's really cool last time I did that to someone was Samin Nosrat from Salt-Fat Acid. Samin. Oh my She's gosh, I love her. <laughs> I was like, awesome. and she, the Netflix show had just come out, so I'm sure like a lot of people are recognizing her face. Yeah. I like sit up to her and I was like, hey, I just want to like thank you for writing your book. I cried while reading the preface. Aww. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> and then Fade I slunk away and played yeah. real cool on the F train. I'm yeah. sure she appreciates <laughs> appreciated that though. Like that's really cool. Yeah. You guys raised funding. So I think Mm -hmm. you raised something like $500,000. And can you speak to the decision to do that and why you decided to do it or how that showed up in your life? Yeah, definitely. I always knew, I will say I am a very ambitious person. I love building things. I've always wanted to build my own business, always have wanted to make it into a really big business. And so when Girls Night In started having all of this traction, I did have a sense of like, I could maybe make this into even a bigger thing and really nail down our mission of helping women relax, recharge, and build more meaningful community. There's so much more to be done. So that was part of it. I think the other like very real part of it was I had been doing it full time for about a year or so. And I talked about this a little bit in the Refinery29 Money Diaries podcast, but with Paco, who we know. With Paco, I love yeah. Paco. Oh, shout yeah. out Paco. Love. We went to an adult summer camp together. Yes. <laughs> I broke my ankle there. I saw I him break his ankle there. That. Yeah. That sounds Sorry. very on brand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not the break, breaking your ankle part. The summer camp. Adult summer camp. Adult summer camp. Yeah. Um, I talked about a little bit about this in that podcast, but at the time I was making maybe $1,500, $2,000 a month off the newsletter. At a certain point, you hit a wall of just like, I kind of want to take better care of myself. 
I'm working mm. so hard. I need help. I don't know how to get help without paying people. I don't know how to pay people without raising a little bit of capital. I think, could I have gone without raising? Yes, totally. I think that it would have taken a lot more time. And I kind of felt a little bit of urgency to like capture this moment in time where people are really craving self-care. They're really craving this sense of community. So it was a little bit of like the timing, the fact that I was a little bit like financially burnt out and also just like my ambitions for Girls Night In. What's the biggest challenge so far that you think you've faced in starting Girls Night In? Maybe it's that, maybe it's something you haven't mentioned. Like what what was the big mountain to climb if there was one? Of starting Girls Night In? Yeah, starting operating it, the whole story so far. So many things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to just pick one. Um, You know, I've had management experience in the past, but I've never been the CEO of a company. I've never Mm. built a team around me. I've never been the person everybody looks to for answers. So I think that has also been a little bit of a challenge. I love the challenge, but it's, it is a hurdle and just like a learning lesson for me every day. I just want to know what, what's next, you know, what's, what's on your mind as far as what's next for, um, Girls Night In over the next six months, year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're really excited about our offline community. We So far, we've had these book clubs that are powered by our community members in many different states um, and Canada. (laughs) We're also thinking through and reflecting on the landscape of self-care in general. Mm. A lot of people define it as like physical wellness or like buying things or none of these things are wrong. Like all those things are really important. I think looking ahead, uh, I'm really excited about this concept of social wellness and community care because loneliness is an epidemic in the U.S. and just globally. I think like 40% of adults consider themselves socially isolated and that has an impact on your health, your mental health, your physical health, everything. And reflecting on even like my personal experience as someone who's turning 30 this year and I live in DC, which is a very transient city. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've had so many different friend groups come in and out. And I think I'd, I'd be lying if I said I don't feel lonely sometimes. Like I do have really great friends. They're in diff- many different places, but I think it can be so hard as an adult to make new friends and build a community around you, uh, especially if you're an introvert. So those are kind of like the problem areas that I'm personally really interested in that our team is working on right now and can't share too much, but we are (laughs) we're building something new um, that will launch later this year to help us scale our offline community. And, you know, one, one thing we always hear from people in all parts of the world, like we get emails from Australia to Portugal, Barcelona, Chattanooga, Tennessee, of like, how can I start a girls night in thing in my community? Like, I really want to do this. So Mm. uh, we're working towards helping everyone do that if they want to. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So you're saying it's not a app that allows you to plot sources on a historical timeline? <laughs> I hope it's a party in a box. I still no. think that's a good idea, personally. Yeah, I'd say that's on like the 2021 roadmap, probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's in the back. That'll be the pivot. It's further down. Got it. Sick. You know, if we gave you a magic wand and you could 
have anything, one thing for your community that you do not have right now, what would you ask for? What would you make happen with that magic wand? Besides the thing that we're building. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be dope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, She's like, I've thought about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm solving the problem. One thing, if I could wave a magic wand, oh my gosh. For our community, number one things that our community asks for is more like products and merchandise mm. from Girls Aiden. Uh, mm. We had this, we used to have this t-shirt that said homebody on it that people loved. We ran out of nice. stock and mm. no, we are not creating more for now. Um, but if I can believe a magic wand, I would give everyone in our community one of those t-shirts that they can mm. wear so they can lounge their nights in and just enjoy and take care of themselves. <laughs> I think that'd be really cute. I love and that. We would all I be matching. <laughs> yeah. You're saying you want a uniform. We got a uniform yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> we need a uniform. <laughs> Awesome. Anything else we didn't ask you about that uh, you think we should, you would like to say or that we should have asked you about? If you're not subscribed to Girls Night In, uh, tell all your friends. Go to girlsnightin.co and sign up. Rad. Hell yeah. yeah. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks so much for having me. If you want to get involved with Girls Night In, like Alicia said, whether it's starting or joining a book club in your area, tuning into their email, you can just go to their beautiful website, girlsnightinclub.com. All one, one little phrase, no hyphens, no nothing, girlsnightinclub.com. All one giant mashup word. Woo! They also, the, the the word. they also have a rad Instagram account, and you can follow them at girlsnightinclub or follow the brilliant Alicia Ramos on Twitter at Alicia Alicia. Ooh, she spells good. her name A-L-I-S-H-A. So double that. You can follow her on Twitter. That's a great, great, great Twitter handle. It's a great, a great Twitter a great handle. Twitter handle. Okay, I've got a question for you. Hit it. Bailey, mm-hmm. if you, what do you like to do on a night in? That's not, that's not too crazy of a question. Not too crazy. Yeah. If it's like, it's Friday right now in New York City, it's really hot. I assume you have AC. So if it's sort like, of. you know what? You have a sort of AC. You know what? Tonight, night in. It uh, doesn't mean alone, but night in, you know, what's what's on the agenda? Yeah. Well, my favorite thing the to do these in. days is I have a new Fender Strata, Stratocaster. Ooh, that is a guitar sun, from what sun, I understand. Yeah, sunburst orange colored Ooh. electric guitar. Does it match the cover of our book? Semi. It's like probably somewhere are in the gradient. Gonna, are you going to play at our launch party? Oh, God, no. That's not... I would, except everyone would be so in so much pain. No, but I like to fiddle Here's on to my guitar. Here's to the night we felt alive. Yeah. Sorry, just what is, you played Superman on a piano for me no. once. You should play that. Uh, I played 100 training. Years by Five for Fighting. Oh, yeah, 100 Years. Yeah. 100 Years, yeah. 15 There's still time for you. Okay, so you... you, you, you I play you the, guitar, the guitar, maybe eat a salad. Maybe yes. fire up some Netflix yes. and play the guitar. Wonderful. Yeah. What about you? Wonderful. Ooh, you know me. Uh, I love I love cooking. Cooking with Yoko. My, my, main, my Yoko. main joke is that like, what do I do at home on a night in? Is like I'll sit and laugh with Yoko. Like it's just you know. That's time. your main joke. Is that what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's just, <laughs> he's just, that's your main joke. That's my main joke. It's like, <laughs> that, but that's the thing. Like that's what, just what like time just kind of melts away and. Yeah, maybe I'm not sitting all the time. Maybe I'm standing or lying horizontal on the sofa. But we're just like, yeah, hanging around, laughing, talking about stuff. That's that's that. It's important to like, note for any anyone imagining Kevin doing that, that he and his partner Yoko have 
two ottomans. Two ottomans. So they actually have a sofa that becomes a When was the last time you square. ever wanted to put your feet down while sitting on a sofa? <laughs> this is the best outro we've ever recorded. All right. Got to get in there. Sorry. Okay, so oh, it's God. me. It's me. It's me. Yeah, uh, so, about us hey, now. if you want to find out any more about us, uh, you can visit our website, peopleand.company. Not company. It's a dot company, not dot com. Um, also, we are writing a book. We are writing a book. We are writing a book. The book has been written. We Okay, we wrote a book. We're we publishing book. a book. We're publishing a it's book. It's coming out on August 20th. Woo! It's called Drum Roll Get Together. Get together. <laughs> How to build a community with your people. Um, it's a handbook that breaks down what it takes to create and cultivate an authentic community uh, based on a lot of conversations like this that we had today with Alicia. Uh, you can sign up to get notified uh, at our website, peopleand.company. Or if you just want to send us early fan mail without ever reading or send me like a, a, you know, a serious pledge to write an Amazon review, you can do so at hi at peopleand.company. Woohoo. Last thing, final thing. If you uh, have, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review us or subscribe. Yeah. That stuff really does great. make a difference. I like those things. Cool. Love reviewing. Love subscribing. All right. See <laughs> All right. You next later. Time.